Hallelujah. Well, you can hug that person tonight. You may take your seats for a few minutes. We've got a lot to do. Hallelujah. Good to see you tonight. Thank you for coming out on Sunday night. And man, it's just beautiful what the Lord is doing. Hallelujah. What a morning in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's just so wonderful. Say this with me. His presence, His presence. changes, changes. Everything. everything. One more time. His presence, His presence. Changes. changes everything. everything. How many people know that? Hallelujah. His word is forever settled. Yes. And he watches over his word to perform it. And his presence yes. changes everything. The moment that he arrives, we say, I brought him to church. I'm sure you did. But the way we felt in worship there was not really how you felt in the car on the way. Not unless that's, that's the way it is with you. But it can get to. That your car can be the most potent place for you to, to be. How many people have driven around the roads singing at the top of your voice? How many people have ever had it that the presence of the Lord filled your car so much that you had to pull over in case you would be a liability? It's amazing. Remember a friend of mine, Michael Holmes, and myself? This is way back when I was still a teenager. And I'm telling you, Michael would have a Talbot Sunbeam car. Uh, you probably don't know what that is here in the U.S. But it's nothing to get excited over. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we would get into that car and we would put on Glenn Mackin church choir and I'm telling you we were both whiter than white but we acted as black as we could <laughs> and we would sing up and down that road just the two of us he probably was about 10 years older than me he didn't care I didn't care we just had formed a phenomenal friendship because of the church that we went to I always acted older than than what my age was, you know, I don't know what happened to me, but I did then. And we just sing and worship. We get into church and we just jam. And believe it or believe it not, I used to play the church organ. And this is, this is, you have to understand, this is when Darlene Check was just about coming on the scene. And so our choruses in church were very limited. But yet they were potent. I mean, Jack Hayford just went to be with the Lord. And of course, Jack Hayford, he wrote Majesty. What an anthem. How many people knows he got that from the Spirit? I believe he picked that right up of the worship of heaven. I believe it. 
And I believe in this day and hour we need to pick up those songs again that are being sung in heaven. Because these songs in heaven are not lullabies, they're anthems. Hallelujah. We would get in and I'm telling you, I remember Michael shouting, come on, Jermaine, let's go. In the car, in the sunbeam. It was on a cassette. That's all we had. You that are too young to know what a cassette was, they were brilliant. Until they got stuck. And then you pulled the cassette out and the whole innards would come out with it. How many people have ever had that happen to you? Mm. So we killed Germain in his car because of the cassette. At phenomenal days. I've had the presence of the Lord show up in cars, planes. And we're flying with Lee from Seattle. The presence of God came on me so strong in the airplane. And I'm in the corner, just in the window. I was tired. I think we got the red eye. But he saw what was happening. And he said, does it, does it always work like that? I said, it's not just for the platform. It's 36,000 feet too. Let's receive in the name of Jesus. There's not one of you that I don't want to experience in the presence of the Lord. You say, well, it's just by faith. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Because when Karen reaches over and touches me, it matters. A marriage without touch is mechanical. But your Heavenly Father wants to touch you. As you touch Him, I'm telling you, to some people that are struggling praying, the moment you start having God show up with you praying, praying, oh, you'll want to pray more. Once His presence comes to help you pray, it'll not be a question of whether you're going to pray or not. You just can't wait to get to pray because He comes to help you pray. It's, it's, it's not a feeling like you would get as in, oh my God, that gave me goosebumps. It's different. Many times it can be like a blanket or just a shift in the atmosphere of your room. And I'm telling you, sometimes he's already there. And you walk into it. And I've had that happen. 
more than what I could ever tell you. And I'll just simply just say, oh, you're here. And then somebody would say, yes, but I don't understand that, Pastor Paul. Is that because he's in me? Oh, he's more than in you. He's everywhere. But he's the God of appointment. You must never forget that. And if he asks you to be somewhere at a time that you're supposed to be there, then you need to show up there. You must never allow your head to override where God wants you to be. thinking about this because you know being the pastor of this church God has, has truly blessed me to be able to be consistent with the production of his presence what do I mean by that it was the same with David and it was the same with Elisha. I was reading it just last night. And they called for that minstrel or that instrument. You know, this is amazing and the gift and the anointing that is upon an individual to work with what God wants to be produced in a service. But the ministers must be, must be able to carry an anointing that a musician can tap into. Hmm. And no matter what musician it is, that same presence will manifest. Because of the job that needs to be done, so a lot of times I just say to musicians is just follow. If you agree to what I know, we will have the presence of the Lord. Don't fight it. Just yield to it. I've learned over the years that specific people carry specific anointings for specific times and specific reasons. But you can go in there and you can take a look how Elisha, it all changed when he called for that minstrel. But what the minstrel did was set it up for Elisha to do what it was he was supposed to do. It's the same with David. Hallelujah. 
You could have two churches singing the same song. One church will be filled with the presence of the Lord singing that song, and the other church will be void of it. How many people understand this? You could have two churches with two prayer meetings. This is how serious this is. And you can have one church that is praying and the presence of the Lord will be there to facilitate, to fuel, and to help. And the other church, it's clanging. It's a clatter. One or two may have ankari and anointing, but if the minister does not have that, then you will never change that. Or you're out of order. That's why you must always worship in a place that the man or the woman of God carries a specific anointing and not just the title of a job. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him. You know, when we stepped out in the Lord, it was a wonderful thing that I remember Hassan Boyle saying to me one time, somebody had went out to start another work from the church and not from the church, but just to start another work. And Hassan was real troubled, really troubled. He says, I just don't believe it's the time for this person to do this. And it was a mess. But what the person realized is that when they stepped out, they realized that it wasn't their anointing that they had been working with those years with Hassan. But it was what was on Hassan. And that can fool people. Because the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, is what you have on your own is how it is. And if you periodically sense a tremendous anointing to do something, you have to understand you have to have that anointing privately. When no one else is around. Or you will end up in big trouble. I'm just not talking about the presence of the Lord. I'm talking about an anointing to work. The highest percentage of churches are under 50 people. And every one that pastors those 50 people believe that they're supposed to pastor. I don't agree. 
And I really believe that when we come to the place and we stand before the Lord, I always like to think like this. It may not happen like this, but he'll show us truly. Because the easiest thing in the world to do is to tell a God that you cannot see what it is that you believe we should do and could do. And I said this to somebody recently, I said, the way that you treat the man that you see physically is the way that you'll treat the father that you do not see privately. Because it's harder to do the one that you see. Now, I know you know what I mean. And some of us, some of us are Beninci. Some of us will find when we go to heaven. That we were led by our minds. will realize that it was completely the Spirit. Hallelujah. I know what I'm believing for. It's not by might, nor by power. You know, when the Lord started using me, I used to feel bad. What do you mean, Pastor Paul? I used to feel bad because God used me. God made me the pastor. God made me do these things and give me a specific anointing to do certain things. I used to feel terrible. And other people will help you feel terrible. Because you find that a lot of people want to be used in a certain way. But there's only certain people that can be used in that way. Mm. And I've realized, even politically, spiritually, all of these different things, We really don't want an office who's, a not, an, who's not anointed to be an office. Mm. How many people agrees with that? Yes. So regardless of preference, regardless of the donkey and the elephant, there are those that are truly anointed to do specific things at specific times. This is the truth. So whether you like it or not, you're important to me. Because I need what God has placed on your life. Way beyond the niceties. Of preference. 
And you do need what's on my life. And that's like so self entitled. Well, if you thought that, you're completely off. Because I mean it completely selflessly. And the fruition and the productivity of heaven manifesting to the benefit of not just one to the benefit of all. That's why you will see change coming in the days ahead, not only in America, but also around the world in the body of Christ. Because many have made it about them and made it about their call and made it about their anointing. And there is a very strong, 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 strong move of God coming. people will be able to step beyond the realm of preference, personal likes, dislikes, offenses, and know that they can work for the common good of all, which is the proof of the call. When I look back at last year, and I see what Karn and myself did, I'm like, I don't know how we did it. But yet I do know. Because if I had to lift it to my mind and what my capability or my ability would have dictated, I would never have done what I did. But when you sow to the Spirit, You've reaped life. And I declare that over you. In the name of Jesus, let's receive that life of God right now. You can do more, go further, stay longer. And just like Caleb that I addressed this morning, the same strength at 85 as what he had at 40. Stop believing. For retirement. Stop believing for the armchair. God has got a plan. I say God's got a plan. And to the 12 year old, the 13 year old, the 14 year old, don't be thinking for one minute that you're going to cruise it out until you think that everybody thinks that you think that we think that you're ready to be used. Because if the prophets are right, you're ready to be used now. You can do better than that, actually. That's it. 
I think it's in our policy somewhere about our worship team, and I want to take them out of there, wherever that is. I don't care how old a person is, young I'm talking about, if the anointing is on them to sing. Come on. The anointing is on them to lead. We're not going to stop it. to Jeremiah. I said, oh, Jeremiah, you know, get ready. I'm about to push, push the play button. He says, oh, no, 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 you have to wait until you're a certain age. I said, you're there. <laughs> I determine the age. <laughs> How many people would like to have a daddy like that? Uh. We're going to play and we're going to play not. Now, when you think you're ready, now. The funny as a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, they get up and dance and burl and sing. They'll grab a plastic microphone, they'll stand in front of a tally, and they'll just, they'll just like, they don't care who's watching, who's this, who's that, who's the other thing, they'll just like. <laughs> and they will do their thing, right, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> And then you get to 12, 13, and you become aware of mm. who's watching. It's called self-awareness. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting delivered tonight of it in the name of Jesus. Because you can't worship with self-awareness. You can't worship wondering what everybody else is thinking about you, whether you're doing the, you know, the, the YMCA move or Superman move or you can't, you can't worship truly thinking what everybody else thinks of you. Come on. That's good. Come on. That's Come on, let's agree. I'm looking for some true release of 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds that can... Oh that can bring a real strong anointing. Y'all mm. agree with me? Yes. I'm looking for 85-year-olds that want to do backflips across the platform. Well, according to Caleb, he had the same strength as what he had at 40. Anybody want to challenge this? Anybody want to say that this is a book of lies? That's why Pastor Karn's doing a rebounder every day. The trampoline. Ten minutes every day. I'm like, do we need to get handles on this? No. Up she goes. Do you know that we're saying we're cheering each other on? Lymphatics, your lymphatic system is draining. Your lymphatic system is draining. It's working. Some of you are like your lymphatic? You what? Isn't God good? Go with me to Nehemiah 1, please. I know it's 7.05, and he's won, he's won 65 minutes. 
And we haven't even had a verse. Oh, we've had more than one verse. Hallelujah. Did you bring your Bible with you? Hallelujah. Did you bring your highlighter with you? How many people used to bring highlighters to church with your Bibles? Look at you dear ones. They get ready to do it again. Praise the Lord. Mr. Mary, she's out with her highlighter. I've got mine. Well, I can highlight on my phone, absolutely. You're the generation that didn't have cassettes. <laughs> but highlight on your phone. But I can tell you, even, you know, we have Jeremiah working through her papal, paper Bible. Because there's something alive about pages. I know we're getting to the stage where you just swipe and, you know, flick and highlight and push and all of those different things, but I don't care how much, how much technical we get. I still want to be able to turn the pages of my Bible. How many people believe that's a good thing right there? Several of us, not everybody said yes. Yeah. But it's good. Praise the Lord. Nehemiah 1. I want to take a look at this. 2015, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me that we were not to come off the wall. It wasn't just a message to millennial. It was a message to the body of Christ. We didn't know what was coming. Of course, we had all the upheaval of elections. The world really changed that we could see around that time. America politically, you know, just the upheavals are beginning, everything is going. I mean, I know it was several years before that, but, but we really start to see wrecking ball, all of these different things starting to emerge. But it just wasn't in the United States of America. It's in every nation. And we used to speak about nations being in tumult or derision. We used to speak about days about brother being set against brother. We used to speak about days like this that we have come into. I mean, people understand what I'm saying. Even talking to Dr. Harvey about the UK, it's a mess. It's a complete mess. They're striking all over the place from uh, paramedic drivers to nurses to God knows what else. Royal Mail, the Postal Service, to airports, trains, planes. You know, during COVID, the United Kingdom would go out to their door and they would clap the NHS for the job that they were doing and now they're striking. And regardless of why they're striking, the unions and all of those different things, the unfortunate thing about this is, is that it is the innocent that always pays for the choices of someone sitting at a desk. I've really been praying over this last few years about this, the bureaucracy. About how hard it is for people on the ground to be managed by people who sit in an office. But that's how it is. And yet that people don't really understand anymore what it is like to be on the ground. 
politicians forget the very reason that they were elected. They went with conviction to the ballot box and told everybody, this is what I'm going to do. And then when they get through, the machine gets on them and they forget the real promises that they made to people and they become what already was instead of bringing change to what was needed. But that's not going to happen with you. And that's not going to happen with our local senator. But it's the same with ministers. The very conviction that brought you to do what you do. You can never have the move of God strapped to bureaucracy. Or the body of Christ loses. Hallelujah. So we have a story here in the book of Nehemiah about a gentleman that was anointed by God to rebuild the walls. It's a fascinating story. Something that I have delved in and delved out of for quite a while. Please just bear with me for how many people give me five more minutes? I'm learning how to choose the right audio apps for you. <laughs> At least my watch is learning. Let's go to chapter one. I want to read this and I want to set the backdrop for this. And over the next couple of Sunday nights, I want to visit this. I want to really visit this because I believe that there's something in this that the Lord wants us to understand. The scripture says that a man's mind wants to plan it, but it's the Lord who directs our steps. And I have said so many times and prayed it out so many times that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. In other words, your files will be corrupted. And you can live as good as you want to live, but still not live in the spirit. You can live as moral and as clean, but yet you have nothing spiritually that you are benefiting or being benefit, benefited by. You're just making choices that anybody can make without the spirit. There's people that are not even born again make good choices to live right, to live clean. True or false? But it should be all the more benefiting to us, the believer, led by the Spirit. I want you to write this in here. It's not what is necessarily right for you. It is what is right for us all. If I lived constantly by what is right for me, we would lose a serious amount of impact and productivity. Because where I live is not about me. And that's why I can get up in the morning like this morning and say, fear less. And this year I am going to fear less. 
Because when you've got a conviction in your heart, a conviction in your spirit, you really don't take stock of you. Because that conviction pushes you beyond you. In other words, you will find yourself doing things that you never thought that you would ever do in times that you never thought that you would ever do them. And it proves that it is he who works in you rather than you. Because you find yourself doing things that even wisdom of this world would say you shouldn't be doing that. But yet because of the conviction, the propulsion, the momentum of the spirit within you and the wisdom of from above, you go beyond the natural line of reason into the realm of possibilities. Hallelujah. I take it in the name of Jesus. I declare over you, you're going to do more than what you ever thought you would ever do. But you're going to have to agree. Because he who lives in you desires to do more than who's controlling your brain. Because God is not controlling your brain. You're governing that by what you take in or what you don't take in. You are the one who is setting the benchmark for knowledge naturally. But then there is the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of revelation. I receive that. And that trumps anything that I can do every single day. You know, Braveheart, how many people have ever saw the movie Braveheart? Well, Mr. Wallace or whatever, what do you call him? Yeah, William Wallace. And you see him on the horse and he's going, you know, get me Scotland on all these different things. You know, there was no music playing. There was no tremendous orchestra on the corner of the field serenading him as he rode back and forward with his face painted out white and blue. We in the cinema, we in the movies, we get the music. But Mr. Wallace could not hear music with his ear. What he heard was from his heart. And that's how people win every time. Because the man that truly listened to what they just hear in this life will never do what God placed within their spirit to change and impact this life. It's what you hear in the inside that will determine things on the outside. And if you want to do great things for God, then you're going to have to go beyond what you even determine great to be. Just praying the Spirit over that right now. Because the limitation on your great is so so dampening to the plan and purpose of God. I'm going to do great things. Nothing compared to what God has for you. Because he always does super above, exceedingly abundantly, beyond anything that I could ever ask or think. I want you to shout it out, super. Come on, stay with me now, super. Come on, say it. Greater is he 
that is in me than he that is in the world. Declare this, I will not be limited. Now, when you get into the story of Nehemiah, and you'll see it here, and I want you to get in this on your own because it's, it's brilliant. It's a story of a man that at all costs got a job done. And he had favor of the king to do it, regardless of the people around him. And when you have the favor of the king to do what you do, and you make a decision to do it regardless of the people around you, where do you see what the favor of the king can produce? Let's read. How did Nehemiah start? He started with prayer. Where do we always start? We start with prayer. Not praying how you think befits. Oh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we come to you this wonderful day in the year of our Lord, 23. 2023. Hold your wished and stop boring us to death. Bring me your relationship. Bring me who he is to you. And bring me what he is yet to be found by you. The expectation of faith that he will do beyond anything that you could ever think and anything that you've even tried to think. You're waiting on a man to give you a job, waiting on a man to open a door for you, waiting on a man to make way for you, waiting on somebody, somebody. No, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. I will say it again. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. It's not who you know in this world. It's who you know in the eternities of eternities. Hallelujah. Man, you're preaching, Pastor Paul. Yes. The words are story of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Now in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year of the Persian king, as I was in the castle of Shushan, Hanani, one of my kinsmen, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the surviving Jews. I want you all to listen and to read with me. That way you will not get bored. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who escaped exile are in great trouble and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, or a city compacted together. Do you know that the Jew today, the learned Jew today knows that there is a city below and a city above? And they know that the city that they live in right now is not that city above. And they are aware of Jerusalem, that city compacted together. I think that's amazing for a Jew to know that. But I think us as believers should know that. That there is a heavenly Jerusalem that awaits you and me. And we will do tremendous work in it and out of it and from it to it and fro it in the eternities to come. God is on the move. And we are moving with Him. This little bit of power that you've been given this side of eternity, it's not little at all. 
It's called the dynamis of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that came upon each and every one of us, moved in the inside of us, and immersed us with the power. Not to make us less, but to give us ability. That as we live out the days on this earth, that we can act and produce as God himself does. Because scripture itself says, as he is, so are we in this world. Now, I said, no, you can say, well, primarily he's talking about love there, Pastor Paul. Well, love never fails. So if I'm in love, then I have everything that works. Because love has no faulty switch. It works every time. I declare it over you, because of the love of God, you work every time. And love is a greater force than what we as humans understand. And one day it will be revealed to us the very power of love. It's not reduced to February the 14th so we, that we can spend all our money in roses and chocolates. You have to understand that this material world has us on a, a date system to rob you of all of your money so that you can prove to somebody that you really love them by giving them roses and chocolates. Let me tell you, my brother, if you have to prove to your wife that you love her by giving her roses and chocolates, your marriage is not based upon a great foundation. The roses and chocolates are lovely. And we recommend it, don't we? We, we recommend it highly, yes. Cynthia's, she's leading here. Yeah. Mark, lots of roses, lots of chocolates. Yes. What type of chocolates? Godiva. Oh, Godiva. But the chocolates prove nothing. There's men that buy chocolates for their mistresses. Proves nothing. Yet there's some people fall apart if they didn't get a chocolate or they didn't get a rose or they didn't get a card. I remember this one person, they were so offended at me because they never got a Christmas card. And I was like, oh. you have me? Christmas card doesn't prove anything. There's people send Christmas cards that don't even like each other. Never see each other. It's all based on junk. I understand it. Don't get me wrong. I'm all into it. If, if you really know it, Carl will tell you this. I'm the card man. I, I, I like all of those different things. I, I, I like, I, I do. I li I'm like that. I'm kind of wired like that. There's, there's priorities. We come together, you know what? Maybe high up my priority is not high up Karen's priority. I remember telling people years ago is that when it comes to Christmas, you know, well, we, they were shocked to the core because we really don't buy each other anything. And they were horrified. I mean, you don't give each other anything on Christmas morning? It's like, I'm so glad I didn't marry you. 
No, because you know what? We live a life together. And we go many places together. And there are many things that we see throughout the year that blesses each other. And many times through the year, we do that. I mean, I wore a watch this morning that I would love to have had 20 years ago, but it took me 20 years to get it. And it's not even an expensive watch. But do you know when, what we did at our 30-year anniversary? We bought each other one. Yeah. Karen has hers here. Mine's in the cupboard. <laughs> I'm the diehard romantic. <laughs> this wear our watches together. <laughs> I'm not that good at that. But you know what I am good at? I'm good at life. I'm good at providing security. Doom, doom, doom. I may not show up always with the box of chocolates. Karma would tell me to get lost if I did that. She would prefer I showed up with the Brussels Sprite. <laughs> Or a nice coffee. Then I wouldn't even show up with a coffee. You know, because that coffee has to taste a certain way. And I've done all that. And you know what? We might as well just bless each other as we go. No, but if you leave it all to Christmas morning, knock yourself out. Have a good time. Take back to the store what you didn't want. I went to Best Buy at the end of last week. And this young man, I tell you, I, he was just the friendliest. And he was just, jup, 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 jup. you having a good evening? And I kind of like take him by surprise. You know, he's like, you know, the hair's out to here. And he's like, he's all about it. It's like, I love one of what you've been having. What are you? What? What are you on? It's like you already look like you stuck your finger in the socket, but what is it that you're... And he's just, he's just... And he says, man, I'm exhausted. And I said, well, I would love to be like you if I was exhausted. Because when I'm exhausted, I'm not acting like that. And he's like... You having a good evening? And I'm exhausted. I'm like... Um, zone out he's talking away and he says man this has been such a busy January so far we have spent every day receiving back in the store all the gifts that nobody wanted all the returns <laughs> he's just on overdrive I'm kind of like why don't we just go to the store together and just buy what you want and then we don't have to return it. <laughs> but you, you know, there's those people there into surprises, but I tell you, it would really have to be a very good surprise. In my house, I don't know what type of surprise it would have to be. I don't know what it is because, you know, it would, it would really have to be Holy Ghost. And you know what? Around Christmas time, we're not really that wired. 
because the spirit of Christmas has really knocked us off our perch of concentration of the things of the spirit and now we're really in the spirit of Christmas and we're trying frantically to buy things that we think that people would like. And we're wrapping them and we're saying to yourself, my God, I hope I don't get one of these. <laughs> socks. Please don't buy people socks for Christmas. You can go to TJ Maxx and get yourself a pair of $2 socks. Socks is not a thoughtful present. Underwear is not a thoughtful present. You have no idea what type of underwear people wear. So please don't even go there. <laughs> you're walking into, you know, New Year's service, and you're like, what's wrong with you? I'm wearing my Christmas present. <laughs> and that's just my socks. <laughs> this was such a spiritual, this was such a spiritual meeting. And then we get into Nehemiah, and we have to laugh a minute. Because some of you are like. <laughs> Nehemiah started this with prayer. This is the only place to start. Prayer. Everything starts with prayer. Everything is maintained by prayer. Everything finishes by a prayer. A prayer of what? A prayer of thanksgiving. When I heard this, look at this, well, verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant, underline that. The remnant there in the province who escaped exile are in great trouble and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its fortified gates are destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. Now, is this an emotional thing that's going on here? Could be, but I believe that he is in the... The processes of prayer. Spirit of God is moving. Something is about to happen. When I heard this, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, four days, four days, and fasted. Can I have a tissue, please, the Kleenex? Thank you. <laughs> that was 40, but praise the Lord. <laughs> is my nose really that big? It's <laughs> so offensive, Beverly. I mean, it's just so offensive. I mean, you know, praise the Lord. Can I have a Kleenex, please? And she gives me 20. Such a big nose. <laughs> I mourned for days and fasted and prayed constantly before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, who keeps covenant, underline that, loving kindness and mercy for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to listen up or listen to the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you day and night. This is time. This is not a 
five-minute prayer, this is for days, ongoing about a situation that is terrible. Your servants, look at this now, I pray before you day and night for the Israelites, your servants, confessing the sins of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Yes, I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly. This is very honest. And uh, I love how he's going here. And he says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Verse 8. Remember earnestly what you commanded your servant Moses. If you transgress and are unfaithful, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you return to me, I'd like you to write in there Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. That was the word of the Lord that came to me in Galway, Limerick. I don't know, I can't remember what year that was. Did you say it was 2011, Cindy? Word of the Lord came to me. Carrie Carmichael ended up beneath the seats, the blood vessels beneath her eyes, burst by the presence, or just the, the presence and power of prayer. It's way back. Way back, way back. And the Lord had me minister out of Joel 2, and it was about the returning. Well, I believe we're in a returning. I believe there's people about to come to God, but I believe there's a lot that are returning. I really do. I'm talking about returning to the authenticity. How many people could sense the purity of worship this morning? That's where we're returning to. The purity of worship. Not the show, not the entertainment, not an ideology or what people prefer. You see, I tell you, in this close of days, you're going to see it come back. The choir, it's on its way back. And I know some people hate that. But for me, I love it. I wish you all would join this choir. I'm serious. If you can hold a note at all, you should be part of the choir. Because in that choir, you're going to sense the presence of the Lord that you will never sense anywhere else. And it will engender something in you that will astound you. I just don't like, I'm, you know, I'm a behind-the-scenes person. <clears throat> Usually the people that tell us <clears throat> that they're the behind-the-scenes people are not behind-the-scenes at all. <laughs> Moving right along. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. And I said, O Lord of God of heaven, in verse 6, let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to listen to the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you day and night. Seven, we've acted horribly. Eight, remember. Nine, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts were in the farthest part of the heavens, the expanse of outer space, Yet will I gather them from there and will bring them to the place in which I have chosen to set my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere and fear your name, your nature and attributes, and prosper. I pray you, your servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a cupbearer to the king. 
Go into chapter 2, please. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I have not been sad before in his presence. So the king said to me, Why do you look sad since you were not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Then I was very much afraid. And said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should I not be sad-faced when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lies waste and its four to five cities are consumed by fire? See, I can't begin to tell you how I feel about the body of Christ and how I feel about the church and what I see in the church and what I see going on among the nations. Just like Nehemiah wants to drive you to your knees for days, wants to make you perplexed, wants to bring you to a place of prayer and fasting and intercessions and weepings. This is not a strange place to me that we're talking about tonight. When I read this, this seems to be a place that I know. The king beside whom the queen was sitting in verse 6 asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you return? So it pleased him to send me, and I set him a time. Go back to verse 4. The king said to me, For what do you ask? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Underline that. And I said to him, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you will send me to Judah, to the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may rebuild it. Very clear. But it came not from a thought. It came from a very powerful place of prayer and working with God. This was not Nehemiah's thought. This was the leading of the Lord. And because God was in it, doesn't mean to say there weren't now going to be obstacles. It just meant that no matter what obstacle presented itself to Nehemiah, could be dealt with God's way. Now that's powerful right there. I know I've went long, it's 22, but just let me bring it to a good place to unhook and we will go back into this next Sunday night. Did you get anything from this tonight? God has a plan, and you're going to have to stay with it. But I tell you, this plan is going to take more than your five-minute prayer. I was so blessed the other night, sitting talking to a guy that uh, their family comes here, and such a precious family, and says, Pastor, I'm doing what you're saying. Most days I'm getting two hours a day praying in tongues. And I knew this man is so sincere. He says, if I don't get the two hours, I at least push it in that I get one hour every day to pray in other tongues. I'm looking at this young man and I'm thinking, where do you see what's about to happen in your life? Because you can't sew that hour or two hours like that. 
Not wanting anything for yourself, but just communion with God. Praying in other tongues, praying in your heavenly language, and something not begin to happen. So you tell me you're burning for another city? You tell me you're burning for America? How many hours have you been on your face? Tell me about the weeping. Hours and hours and hours of weeping. Tell me about the region that you believe you're called to. How much have you wept over it? Oh, I've just such a heart for my homeland. I was telling Harvey the other day. I walk about Dublin at times just completely undone. I go to Northern Ireland. I become completely undone. Carmel said to me at times, what's wrong with you? agitations, the irritations, uh, but they're not flesh. The sensitivities of the spirit of what God intends and desires to do. And even because I don't live there doesn't mean to say that God is not interested in what he said for Northern Ireland doesn't mean that it's not going to come to pass. It has to come to pass. Because Wesley Dwell said that where God moved once, he will move again. I'm going to say it again. Where God moved once, he will move again. Do you know, do you know my, my passion when I, when I stay in Dublin and, I, and I, 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 I'm disquieted and I walk about or I go out earlier and I walk up the Liffey and I do these different things. The Liffey's a river. Just in case. I, I realize that many of you don't know what the Liffey was there. Just, you know. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Are you reading yourself? Is this depicting you? I said, well, not everybody's called to build a wall, Pastor Paul, for goodness sake, why is that? Oh no, you're missing what the Spirit's saying. Because if you truly believe that there's a move coming, if you truly believe that a nation can be changed in a day, if you how many people believe that? Let me see your hands. And say, well, I just, I just believe it's just going to be sovereign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then there's no point in Nehemiah doing what he did, because God in Himself and His angels should just show up and build this wall. But God and His angels did not show up and build this wall. He looked for a man that would rebuild the wall. So I know, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in it all, ladies and gentlemen. But, but I'm telling you, it was Mr. Wesley that says, it seems that God can do nothing unless man will agree to help him. Well, I believe he's found a few people in this room. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. I believe that he has found a few people. Do you know how you know where you're called to? And I'm telling you, it's ages and ages and ages and ages and ages. You can't shake it. You can't shake it. You can't shake it. You can't shake it. No matter how much I try to shake Tulsa, my God, there it comes again. I'm flying into the city. I didn't want to come to the city. Forgive me. Now water would run out of my eyes and... Here I am in intercessions again, and God's speaking to me about a well in the city. I don't want to know about the well in the city. 
This city is like Jerusalem. It's like a touchstone. You can get torn to pieces in this city. I show up in this city. You think everybody would have, you know, laid out the red carpet for me, played tunes for me. Here he comes, the beloved brother, Paul. To the contrary, demons realized God's bringing reinforcements. And where there's one well capped, and another well has to open. You didn't hear that. For the workings and the plan and the purpose of the destiny of a city. But not the destiny of a city, but the destiny of a region, the destiny of a territory. A territory that's being held by territorial spirits that work through the operations of religion. Systems of man. Shout it out, I bind. Every spirit of religion, religion. off my life. life. Come on, lift your hands with me right now. Pray in the spirit. What's in your heart, my brother? What's in your spirit, my sister? What burns in there? You tell me God's taken you to another nation? But if you really wanted to know what I would want to say, then I want to talk about your prayer life. I want to talk how you've held the carpet. I want to talk about how you and God have wept for days and months and fasted and prayed and mourned over the state of another state, over the state of another city, over the state of another nation. You can't tell me that you want a nation to be saved and God is raising you up for such a time as this and you are not even giving yourself to the counsels of God and the operations of God. You can't tell me that you're called. This is the best word you've heard in a very long time. Because when you're called, supernatural things begin to happen in a natural realm. He gives you the strength to leave one people to move to another people. He gives you the strength to disengage hearts so that you can attach your heart to another. That is completely supernatural. And even with it being supernatural, it is wrenching. Naturally, it is wrenching. You have to deal with the emotions. You have to deal with the physical. You have to deal with all the workings of of your humanity. But what keeps you going forward in the plan and the purpose of God is not the call. It's your prayer life. It's your relationship with God. It's that which started you because that which started you will keep you going every day of your life. Because if you don't stay in that, you will lose track. You will lose the scent of the footprints of Christ. You will begin to smell yourself more than you will smell him. The hound comes and sniffs out the fox. Doesn't smell itself. It trills what it's after. How many people in this room would honestly say, I know what I'm after? Come on, no man can stop me. No woman can put a barricade in front of me. 
No one can ever stop me. Why? Because I'm telling you, you have to be of the stock, guys. Worship team, please come. You have to be of the stock that even if someone rose against you, amen, and took away everything that you have, you have what it is that you know to start it all over again. Come on, everybody. I took what we had and started again. The proof of, of something that is on somebody is that they can do it over and over and over and over again. And when the anointing is on somebody to do something, they make it look so easy. And other people can become fooled by that. Because I make it look so easy, so effortless. And somebody can come along and say, you know what, I can do that. But the only reason that I can do this, even with the obstacles, is with the favor of the king. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing me tonight. I pray to God that you're hearing me. Because even in business, there's no one can do what you do like you do it. There's no one can do what you do like you do it because what makes you is your relationship with the Father, what He's placed on your life. It is the bounty of heaven, the deposit of eternity. And that's why you get to your place, what can man do to me? You don't live beyond accountability. But then who determines the accountability? A man by the spear of the world cannot dictate to a man of the spirit what is accountable. Because the responsibilities come from two different worlds. Nehemiah prayed with the eternal father. The spirit of supplication and prayer came upon him. In his heart, it's just, I know it's not a good confession, but this just said, his heart broke for Jerusalem. I know in a faith world we can't say that, but that's just how it is. The ache. I can't begin to tell you the ache that I have. Yeah, people will try and understand me, box me. I don't know why you do that. I don't know why you do this. I don't know why you do that. I don't know. Because you're not called like me. And you'll never understand it. But what I would respond to you is, are you doing everything that's within your power to do? Because even if you're called with me, are you doing everything within your power to help me? Because if we're called together, then that's what's required of each, other, each of us. It's for each of us to bring our supply. And that's the truth. Worship the Lord with me right now. So you can't read Nehemiah chapter 1 without delving into it like this. Because this is the realities of 
Maybe we'll put out a book, Cindy, in Nehemiah. How many people believe it'd be a bestseller? I really don't care if it would be or not, as long as people would get a revelation. Because you know what, guys? I could be the most selfish person on the earth and get myself just a bunch of partners and sit in my office with God and write books. And my partners could just give me a lifestyle that I could just sit in my office. But the moment I knew, I said, I can't sit in an office. I can't deny the people my place in their lives. And I believe Nehemiah was like this. You know what happens to one that is called, that has a prayer life, whose relationship is based upon you me, God? We can't do this if we don't do it this way. I'll leave that. I declare the favor of the Lord is upon you to do everything that the Lord has instructed you to do. But the next moment that you want to criticize me, just ask yourself one moment, where is that coming from? Because when you didn't hear the voice of the Father, then it's hard for you to judge whether you believe that is the Father or not. But by fruit. And I believe that fruit is about to accumulate exponentially. Just thank Him for it right now. They that sow in tears will reap with joy. Your days of mourning and praying and intercessions and in a kofrafadaskanina pouring out, crying out. Six Acts of Nehemiah. He heard the report of Jerusalem. He sat down with God and he began to weep. Number four, he mourned certain days. Number five, he fasted. And number six, he prayed. What a place to start this year. On the 15th of January, I believe it is, am I correct? Is this the 15th? Two weeks into this new year. I still think we could say this is still the new year. It's not too late to set your face like flint. I have determined this year that Paul Brady will not bumble through. Busy as a busy thing, as hurried as a hornet. And at the end of the year, think, now what did we get done this year? 
this year, my cup overflows. This year, too much over this last few years have been put in hold. I was talking to somebody just again over the last couple of days, and I was saying, I know people can say what they want about the whole COVID deal, but people think differently post-COVID. Relationships are different. We don't live in the same world. And so we have to acknowledge that. People think differently. People are acting differently. I take authority over the spirit of this world. In the name of Jesus, I bind that antichrist spirit. In the name of Jesus, it's not coming into my house, nor my family, nor this ministry. In the name of Jesus, and as your pastor, I'm going to help these guys bring anthems of worship and anthems of praise and create teams of worship and create a choir that can sing forth the glory of God. How many people believe that's just going to be brilliant? And I want one person saying a choir is antiquated. Even the young ones coming in the worship world are saying choirs are making a comeback. It's just not Pastor Paul. It's the Lord. Well, I declare with all all my being, Oklahoma shall see the glory of God. I declare with all my being, Arkansas will see the glory of God. Come on. We lift up Sarah Huckabee right now in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over her. This is such a time. I'm telling you, this is such a time for Arkansas. I'm telling you now. That's Pastor Karen last week. She said, I think we need to be making a trip to Arkansas. I'm like, where's that coming from? Where, where, where's that coming out of? Arkansas is on the map. You say it never was taken off, but it is on the map. And God is moving. I said God is moving. Jeannie Wilkerson's prophecy, and we need to go home. It's 8 o'clock. You've been very patient with me. You've sowed two hours on a Sunday night. A hundredfold return. What is the math of that? <sighs> Lots of time. Jeannie Wilkerson spoke about Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. I listened to Sarah Huckabee, whatever her name is. And I'll say, go, Sarah. Hmm? Sanders. Huckabee Sanders. I said, go, Sarah. Everybody say that. Go, Sarah. You hear her on there, you lift up Arkansas and you say, go, Sarah. She was no sooner sworn in than she just started bringing the hammer down. Amen. 
And people, the, the, people shouldn't say these things, well, her, that, her daddy's back. No, no. She's her own person. Amen. Amen. She's not there to do what he did. She's there now to do in her day what needs to be done for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For the Lord is good. I said, for the Lord is good. We'll say it one more time. For the Lord is good. Pray in the Spirit with me. Both of, you, both of you stand to your feet. I heard the word of the Lord come to me, and I'm going to use you as proxy because of your past. Give me both your hands. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say this to me just now. There is a move of the Spirit coming to the Amish community. You will hear of testimonies, of visitations, of angels and the workings of my spirit even among your family members that are still within that community you will see and hear testimony to the very prayers that you have prayed and to the tears that you have cried and to the wrongs that need to be righted you will see a move of the spirit and you will hear of it and it won't just be in one place it will be in different places and you will see me says the spirit i will go like a tornado and i will go like a fire and i will go like a swirling wind through the community and they will not be able to resist me and i will upend things in a night and they will have a and i say it in the name of jesus that the prayers that you have prayed will not be denied and i have heard them and I am working on and through on behalf of you. And like others, others of hundreds and thousands who have prayed for me for a community, I am moving and deliverance is at hand. Give the Lord praise. Woo! My God, that was the spirit of the Lord. Rejoice. Thank him. When I go to these nations, I go to them, I go back to the birthplace. And it just speaks to me. And I speak to it. And I sit on Slimish and I say, You will. You will. You will. Submit. You will yield a harvest. And what God planned for this place shall be seen by all. In 1859, in the Ulster Awakening, over 100,000 people blackened the sides of the fields. Such was the move of the Spirit and the salvations of many. There wasn't Facebook. There were no means of advertisement, but yet God's Spirit swept so gorskabangrikitikaza. 
It was the same in the Hebrides, and it's the same in so many different places. And I believe in the Amish community, we're going to see stuff like this. And I believe in this city called Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're going to hear of God moving up and down the highways and traffic coming to a standstill. Do you know they were letting us know tonight that when they were watching online, they could see flames over the altar. You can choose to think that somebody online was, was eating too much of what? Other things. But there are moments that I sense in this house, the quickenings and the movings of the Spirit. And I know that we are not alone. He is among us. And angels work among us more than what you know. So Nehemiah was given a task to rebuild that wall. Can I ask you a question? Maybe we're rebuilding something here in Tulsa. It's a distinct possibility. Because when you begin to build something, the Symbolites and the Tobiases appear. You know, another meaning of that word Symbolite, according to the Dakes, is the secret enemy. That caused me a moment when I saw that. See, sometimes it's not what you think is against you. I bind the spirit of witchcraft. Words spoken against you, words spoken ignorantly against you, words coming at you, forming, forming, forming weapons to hurt you. Shut it down in the name of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus. When I realized and the Lord gave me that revelation of our eldest son going to heaven in 2005, by no other reason but by strife, door was opened. Because the enemy cannot do what he wants to do. That's why when people ask me what's wrong with you, I said, I will not have strife at any cost. Because I, my wife, my family paid a price for strife that I never want you or anybody else to pay. Worship the Lord. Now, you may even think that you have the right to pick at someone and the right to be offended at someone and the right to speak off your mind. But I would ask you, stop it. I would ask you to think again. Because you do not know what you're releasing. And what damage Satan wants to do through you. I will not be used by Satan. I will not be used by dark princes and demons. In the name of Jesus. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
And I bring this to a close full circle. You see, this is my conviction. But it needs to be yours, Paul. Because you can think that this is great, and it's a great message, and it's a great, it's great, and you feel it in here. You feel it. But you go home to your house, and what you feel in here tonight subsides. The edge of my words by the Spirit leave you, are blunted by your reality. Then that is a sign that you do not carry that type of character yet. And what you're living off is something that is borrowed, that has not become authentically yours. Because the moment that you can put a guard at your mouth is the moment that now you are bearing fruit of the abiding presence of God. Oh, I got on hook here tonight. Did you get anything out of this tonight? How many people believe there's room for us to grow? I'm not talking as a church. I'm talking about us individually. The Lord. is my exceeding great reward. The favor of king is upon you. And if you don't stop, you're going to get it done. And for those that are a little older, what's keeping you? You saw that scripture this morning like you never saw it before. Carter myself laughed out the back. I said to Karen, can you remember that scripture being... He says, it's like I've never heard that scripture before. I didn't even... And Karna myself's getting into it. Do you know why it comes like that? Because it comes not like you read it. It comes as revelation. Yes. And it makes you feel like you've never read that, saw that, or heard that before in the way that you just did. But there was nothing super spectacular about Caleb that God made him have strength at 85 more than he had 40. I believe it's a choice. You say, we'll try it when you're 85. Well, I'm 54 and I'm stewarding my body. It's going to live long. Come on, tap your body. Say, live long in the name of Jesus. I hope you enjoyed this tonight. For the Lord is good. Imagine 40 years. Caleb had to trump around, wonder and wonder and wonder and wonder and wonder and wonder and wonder when the pastor's going to use him. When's Joshua ever going to let me, let me, let me? And Caleb at the end had to ask for it. I don't even believe it was Joshua's to give, it was Caleb's to take. And that may have delayed the process. Thinking that somebody should give you it rather than just going ahead and taking it. Selah. Well, Caleb got it in 85. I'm telling you, he got his mountain. 
Now I want you to look at three people and say, I'm going to get mine too in the name of Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm going to get my mind in too. I've really enjoyed holding this highlighter tonight. It's made me feel really studious. Has it made me look studious? I mean, because it's really made me feel very studious. I'm going to grab myself a whole pack. This week's going to be the best week you've ever had. Come on, say it like you mean it. This week's going to be the best week. Come on, all you kids, this is going to be the greatest week you've ever had.